second. She wants to tell you how much she appreciates all that was done for her and for all the prayers she was praying for her. So Lena Will just wants to tell you that she loves her church, and every time I go to see her, it's pretty much the same thing. I just wish I could go to church. You know, for those who are able to go to church, uh, I want to encourage you to come whenever you can because you never know when it might be your last opportunity. So be praying for Miss Lena Will as she thanks you. Two weeks ago, I began a series of messages that helped us focus on the task of making disciples. We are all about learning to make disciples. Now, the new disciples that we make must have a great place to go, a place where they can worship, a place where they can grow, a place where they can uh, serve and become effective servants themselves. Why is Bethel that place? Why is Bethel that great place for new disciples to come to? Well, we're learning from God's Word more than one hour on Sunday. Amen? We're all devoted to Sunday school. We're devoted to uh, Sunday night services. We're devoted to Wednesday morning Bible study. We're devoted to CIA. We're devoted to our own personal devotion time. And that's very important. We are also all jointly participating in the purposes that God has set forth for us as a church. That makes Bethel a great place for the disciples. We are also committing ourselves to prayer. We've got to reformulate our Sunday night service to include a lot of prayer for those who are on our prayer list. We are also willingly and freely sharing what God has given us. Not only our money, not only our time, but also our Savior. And we're sharing him and wanting others to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord. But we're also experiencing a true joy. A joy that comes from the relationship with Christ, not a joy that comes from some religion. Did you hear me, church? We have joy that comes from a relationship with the Lord, not just from a religion. And finally, we are faithfully acting on what we believe. And friend, I want to tell you, that makes Bethel a great place for new disciples. But then last week, uh, I began talking with you about churches that are making disciples are also committed to bringing great joy to Jesus. And so we have the idea about the business of bringing great joy to Jesus. Why is Bethel that place? How do we bring great joy to Jesus? Well, we happen to work. We work for the Lord. We work for his people, and we do it without complaining. That's a good place for the disciples to come. We also worship the Lord, and we honor him with gratitude and a profound love. And our only wish is that we had more to give. So we work for the Lord and we worship the Lord, but we also generate what's called a living witness. What we say we are is not just words. We live it out. Our witnesses live in action. And that witness proclaims that anybody that will listen, I once was dead, but now because of Jesus, I live. What a wonderful testimony you have as the believer on Jesus Christ. You were dead in your sins. You had no hope. You were bound for hell. You had no chance on your own. You had no chance for a relationship with God. But then because of Jesus, 
You now live, and you have the power of God living in you. So wonderful, wonderful. A great place, a great place bringing Jesus great joy, and here's what can happen next. We can make our children great. We can bring you to a great place, and we can bring great joy, but we can also make great children. Today, we're going to see how we can make our kids, how we can teach our kids to be destined for greatness. And I believe we all want that. Now, often while we want to teach our kids, and we focus on teaching our kids, our kids have a whole lot to teach us. Let me share a little bit of lasting wisdom, if you will, words of wisdom that some brilliant kids have shared with adults. Ten-year-old Patrick said, never trust a dog to watch your food. Is that pretty wise or what? Fourteen-year-old Michael said, when your dad is mad and he asks you, do you think I'm stupid or something, don't answer him. That's pretty wise. That same Michael also said, never tell your mom that her diet is not working. Smart boy. Nine-year-old Rusty said, stay away from prunes. Pretty wise. Nine-year-old Kurt said, never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. And 10-year-old Joel probably had the best one. He said, never pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Can you see it? Boink, right on top of the head. Despite the wisdom, our children are our greatest challenge. This next generation is our greatest challenge. They're not only our greatest challenge, they're also our greatest mission field. Somebody this past week said, you know, we're going to hear a whole lot about Guatemala lately. I've been hearing a whole lot about fundraising to go on this trip that's uh, so many miles away. What about home missions? And I said, I'm glad you asked. CIA, Christians in Action, our children's ministry is our greatest home mission. So if you want to be involved in missions, I want to encourage you to be involved in Christians in action, the greatest home mission we have. Here's the question that faces us this morning. How do you and I respond to the evil forces that come against our kids every day? How are you and I to respond to the evil forces that keep our kids from being all that God wants them to be? How in the world can we do that? Here's a couple of recommendations. Keep them away from TV. Yeah, maybe so. How about uh, keep them from playing video games? Yeah, maybe so. How about teaching them about their manners? Can I get a testimony? Huh? Amen. How about um, teaching them about their mouth? Can I begin a bigger testimony? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, how about including them in cheerleading? Baseball, football, soccer, basketball. How about that? That's a good way to respond to the evil forces that challenge our kids. How about forcing them to get their homework? How about that? That ought to make better kids, right? How about uh, keeping them involved in church? Certainly that 
have great value. All of them have great value. But perhaps the greatest way to respond to the evil forces coming against your kids is to give them the gift of yourself. The greatest response you can give to all the evil forces that are coming against our kids is to strive to include them in your hectic and overloaded schedule. Give them the gift of yourself. You see, friend, every one of us in this room today are stewards of God's investment in children. None of you, none of us are exempt from being stewards, managers, caretakers, if you will, of God's investment in children. And I'm yet to know this too. All of us will be held accountable for how we handle, how we use God's investment. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms 127, the book of Psalms 127, and let's listen to some Old Testament wisdom about how we are to be stewards of God's investment. Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1, Solomon says, wisest man who ever lived on the face says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain for building. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays in in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, eat the bread of stars, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage. Say heritage. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Say reward. They are a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Let's pray. Father, I want this happiness that this man had. This happiness that realized that children are a heritage from you. They are a reward from you. Lord, let us be stewards and caretakers of this incredible investment you've given us to your glory. And in Jesus' name we all pray. And God's people said, Amen. A heritage from the Lord. Today, using the word great, G R E. A-T, I want to show you five ways that I believe that song teaches us how we can teach our children to be great. How many of you would like to see our children become great? Amen. We all want our children to become great. We all want the next generation to become great. So how do we do it? G. Generate dependence on the Lord. 
Verse 1 said there in that psalm, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. Unless the Lord builds the city, the watchman stays away in vain. There's a saying that says, Little is much if God is in it. Amen? But you know, the reverse is also true. Much is little if God ain't in it. Amen? And that's exactly what verse 1 is teaching us this morning. It is teaching us that unless our activities are ordered and directed by the Lord, unless we do what the Lord wants us to do, it is a waste of time, it is a waste of energy. You can do all the other things in the course of your life, but only the things you do for God will last into eternity. CIA is one of those things that last into eternity. We can set up to do great things on our own. We can even do great things in the name of the Lord. We can build a huge church. We can pack every pew full of people. But if the Lord is not doing it, if the fruit of our efforts doesn't come from the Lord, then they are worse than worthless. It's in vain. So we must depend on the Lord to build this house of God. So how does this all relate to children? Well, first of all, we need to know that we must teach children to rely on the Lord to build their house, to build their temple. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the temple, they labor in vain to build it. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he wrote, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? you have from God and you are not your own. God is building every one of us, including our children, into a house of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Why do we have small groups on Sunday morning? Why do we do Christians in action for two hours on Wednesday nights? Why? Because God wants to be involved in this process of building Christian children. He wants to be involved in that process. So, let us make a mistake, make the mistake of leaving God out of that process. Let us never make the mistake of not using or allowing the word of God to speak into the lives of children who are building that temple of the Holy Spirit. A life lived apart from God just ain't worth living. Did you hear me? A life apart from God just ain't worth living. You may be able to live it uh, without God for this brief time we call a life, but you know what? Eternity is a lot longer than just this life. So I want to encourage you to involve God in everything you do, but especially in the lives of your children. we got to teach children to make God their highest priority. God's got to be number one. And we don't teach kids that. We want them to let him build their temple. Let him build the temple of the Holy Spirit in those children. But not only to build them. Not only to build the temple, because that verse also said that we must teach children to rely on the Lord to protect the temple. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Obviously, we can't be the key place. I mean, many of us, I hate to let our kids go to school that first day, but 
that we can't continually hold that over our kids all the time. We can't be the kid boys. So at some time, some point, we've got to rely on the Lord for that protection. In Psalm 32, David said, Lord, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. David understood that he must rely on the Lord to protect him. Now here's the prayer of one small child. Again, the, the prophetic wisdom of children never ceases to amaze me. But this prayer from the small child said this, Lord, bless my mommy and daddy. And dear God, take care of yourself. Because if anything happens to you, we're sunk. Is he right? Man, if anything happens to God, we're sunk. How true. That's why we teach our Christians and actions children to depend on God. He's the only one to depend on. R. R. Not only generate dependence on the Lord, but the R is to remind them to trust in God's care. Look at verse 2. It is vain for you as a prayer to sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Don't misunderstand this verse, friends. This verse doesn't entitle you to sit around sipping sweet tea and uh, keeping that recliner down. Amen? Uh, it's a lot more than that. Uh, it's not an excuse to be lazy. It's not an excuse not to provide for yourself. It's not an excuse not to, for you not to provide for your family's needs. It's not an excuse for you not to provide for the needs of other people. It's much more than that. Because God is not against human effort. In fact, hard work honors God. If you're a hard worker, raise your hand. Amen. You honor God. You honor God by that hard work. Whether you're working outside the home or in the home, you honor God by that hard work. But some people work so hard, they neglect their families. Some people work so hard, they don't pay attention to their children. They say, well, i got to work, i got to provide, and they're especially guilty of this. We've got to make sure that we're not neglecting these children. And what's the best way we can benefit your children? Bring them to a place where they're being taught the word of God. So they have uh, the tools and the, the building materials to build that temple of the Lord that they will live in. So we must teach our children to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt them in due time. Get this. Casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. We want to remind them that God cares for them. Kids need to know that their God in heaven cares for them. And we spend probably too much time every Wednesday going over the prayer requests of our children. But they need to know that God cares for those requests. Those pets that have died, those stubbed toes, all those other crazy prayer requests. They need to know that God cares about every part of their life. Kids need to know that they can say one day, Never again. They need to know that they can say, never again will I say I can't because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Never again will I admit that I lack something because my God will meet all my needs according to my faith in Christ Jesus. Never again will I fear. Why? Because God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a spirit of sound mind. Never again will I allow Satan to rule over my life because the one who's in me is greater than the one who's out in the world. Never again will I lack wisdom, because if I lack wisdom, I should ask God, who gives generously to all, liberally and without reproach. Never again will I admit defeat, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, my faith. We need to teach our children that they can depend on God and that they can trust in God's care. Generate dependence on the Lord. Certainly remind them to trust in the Lord's care. E is encouraging them to obey God. Let's look at the beginning of verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Earlier, I shared 1 Corinthians 6.19. Now I want you to hear verse 20. God says to the believer, you are not your own. Say that with me. You are not your own. You don't belong to you. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. A very expensive one, not I had. You were bought with a price. Therefore, because of that price that was paid, because you are not your own, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We need to know that includes children. That includes children. See, that's what a heritage is. A heritage is a possession. A heritage is personal property. A heritage is uh, an inheritance. It is all too often Children are seen as a liability, a challenge that must be dealt with. But you know what Bethel Baptist Church says about children? They say children are an asset. Children are the next generation. Children are an inheritance from God. The Bible calls children God's property. The Bible calls children God's possession. The children are the Lord's inheritance to us. So they don't belong to us. They belong to God. And we are just the caretakers of these precious children who are in our midst. We need to teach those he's placed in our care to obey him. And to honor him. Now, there are many reasons why people obey the Lord. One, one, one reason is, it's because they have fear. They obey the Lord because they know if they don't, they'll be in oil else. Amen? Well, we know for the same way. I obey because I don't want the oil else. The second reason that people obey God is because of the Lord. They say, well, if I obey God, then there's something in it for me. Right? But there's a third reason why people obey. The third reason the people obey is because they love the Lord. And friends, we want kids to obey God, but not just out of fear. We want children to obey God, but not just because they're going to reap some kind of blessing out of that obedience. We want them to obey God because they love Him. 
land, we are in the promised land. We want our kids to boldly say, the Lord our God will we serve. His voice will we obey. Depending on the Lord, trusting in his care, obeying the Lord are three great ways to teach a child to be great. G-R-E-A. A stands for affirm their value to God. God just happens to think that children really swell. Amen? Children are the bomb to God. Amen? Let's listen to what verse 3 says at the end there. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Is a reward good or bad? A reward is something good. A reward is very good. The Bible basically says that part of God's reward is our children. What a wonderful reward. Some of them say, if that's our reward, then I don't want none of it. But that's not how we feel here at that They are a reward from the Lord. Uh, he is the author of creation. He is the one who gives the gift of life. And there's not one single child. It's not important. Not one. They're all important to us. And God is giving you and I the reward of caring for those children. What a blessing that is. So people who view children as a distraction or a nuisance instead ought to change their perspective a little bit and view children as an opportunity to shape the future of America. What an opportunity. People say, you know what? America is too far gone. There's nothing that can be done for her anymore. I might as well just throw up my hands. But I say, no. As long as we got children coming in these doors, you and I have an opportunity to shape America's future. Let us be diligent to do that. Let us be diligent to shape the future of America through our kids. You know, God places an incredibly high value on children. How valuable are children to God? Well, it just so happens that God so loved them that he gave his one and only son that, that if they would believe in him, they would not perish but have eternal life. What goes for you goes for those children. They're precious enough that God would give his very life for those kids. Generate dependence on the Lord. Remind them to trust in His care. Encourage them to obey God. Affirm their value to God. And T, train them up in the admonition of the Lord. Let's look at verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children. Of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Like arrows, the psalmist said. Like arrows. The comparison here is, is that as parents, as spiritual leaders, you and I are the altars. Do you hear me? You and I are the archers. The arrow does not shoot 
cannot be fired. The warrior shoots the arrow. And if the arrow is shot by a skilled archer, guess what? It will hit its intended target. That's our goal. We want those arrows to hit their intended target. What is that? Well, what are we aiming them at? Are we aiming our kids at a godly life? Are we aiming our kids toward the values of God? Are we making those arrows straight? Are we making them fly directly where we aim them? That's our job as archers to condition the arrows. Let me give you three unique facts about arrows. To be effective, arrows must be properly shaped. They must, to fly right, they must be straight. To fly right, that means some things are going to have to be removed. Maybe some things added so that they will fly straight to their intended target. To be effective, arrows must also be sharp. In order to make an impact on such a sin-infused world, these arrows are going to have to be sharp. And they're going to have to be sharpened by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They've got to be shaped. They're going to have to be sharp. But to be effective, arrows must also be shot. At one point or another, these arrows are going to have to be released. At one point or another, you're going to have to let your child go. And the way you shape them, the way you sharpen them, will determine if they're going to hit their intended target. So how are you doing in making, shaping, and sharpening your arrows? Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Did you hear that? Train him up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, he may get you off every now and then, but the intended target's going to be that. Jeffrey, would you want to get them? Paul also instructed fathers to raise up their children in the training and the admonition of the encouragement of the Lord. They know, kids have got to be trained. They don't train themselves. And we have been called by parents to kind of co-parent with them a couple hours a week to help shape them, to help sharpen them so they'll reach that intended target. You've been called. I've been called to be a part of that arrow-making process. I read about one father who was talking to his son who said, son, you better get ready. The church band is going to be here just a minute to take you to Sunday school. And the boy said, Dad, did you go to Sunday school when you were on there? And the dad said, yes, sir, I certainly did. While he was getting ready, the boy said, well, I guess it's going to do me much good either. I want to tell you, the small groups on Sunday mornings does great good. You want to talk about a great sharpening process? You want to talk about a great shaping process? Bring the kids to small groups on Sunday mornings at 9.30. Just let, just see, just witness 
But God working through these biblical Babylon teachers can shake your child into. See, it's not just a Wednesday night thing. It's a Sunday morning thing, too. Albert Schweitzer said there are only three ways to train a child. Only three ways. By example, by example, and the third is like it, by example. How are you going to train a good child? Let them watch you a little bit. Example, what kind of example are you providing? You know, practically speaking, yes, we must be a good example, but our kids also need good, solid teaching. That's part of the shaping process, that's part of the sharpening process. So they must have teaching also, and that's why small groups again is so important at 9 30. Because you're the example, you're the godly example, but they also need some godly teaching. So I want to encourage you to do that. But I said to you this morning that to teach our kids to be destined for greatness, we must generate dependence on the Lord. We must remind them to trust in His care. We must encourage them to obey the Lord. We must affirm how valuable they are to God. And we must train them up in the admonition of the Lord. But you know, there's just one more. There's just one more, and that is this. You want to have your kids be taught to be destined for greatness? Then you need to make an active commitment to God yourself. You need to make an active commitment to be involved in the making of great children. Be involved in the making of great children. How do I do that, Brother Bill? Send them up here. Come on, guys, up here. Man, did y'all have enough? Amen. Sit on that front row right there. Yeah, I love you. I love you. Sit right here on the front row. There we go. Huh? You want to go stay? You can do it, brother. No, not right now. Come on up there, Mason. Come on up there, Nathan. Come on, Lacey. Come on up here on the front with everybody else. Come on, man. Amen. Sit up a little bit and let Lacey have a seat. You want to sit by, why don't you sit by Lulu right there? Come on up here, sweetie. Come on up here, Lacey. Lacey, you want to sit right here? Are you going to sit right there? Lacey, why don't you sit right here, sweetie? Sit by side. Sit right here, sweetie. There you go. All right. And Lacey, you sit right here. Sit right here. All right. Sit. Ah, it's okay. You're good. How do I do that? How do I make my kids great? How do I make these kids great? Listen carefully. Listen carefully. How do you make your kids great? First, give yourself to Jesus. Second, give yourself, the gift of yourself, to these kids. These children are 
a heritage from God. They are his possession. They are his property. They are his inheritance. They're placed in your hands to be good stewards. Making children is also the first step in making disciples. For three quarters of a year now, I've been preaching on making disciples. This is the first step. Christians in action. You want to make disciples? Why not start here? Why not start here? This is the first step to making disciples. So during this invitation, you're going to have your opportunity to demonstrate your commitment. To demonstrate your commitment to let the church know if you're all in in this making of disciples. Because this is the first step. And the way I look at it, if you're not wanting to be involved in this first step, then you probably won't be involved in the next step either. It's all right, don't worry. Yep, take it back. Take it back. So there is invitation. There's a sheet. Name, phone number, and what age group you'd like to teach or be involved with. Maybe it's games. Maybe it's crafts. Maybe it's, you know what, I could be a helper. But I'm going to make time to be stewards. You want to be a helper? Uh, you can be a helper. You're, you're more than a helper. You know, I've seen. I've seen. So what we're going to do as part of this commitment, as part of this invitation, when we're singing, I want you to just come up here and just sign up. Ms. Bell will be contacting you. And you just make plans to be here from about 5.15 to 7.15 on Wednesday nights. You know, it seems a lot like sometimes it's the same people that's doing it. But we all are stewards of God's possession. Let's pray.